1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
2: Well, he's the leading scorer in the National Hockey League. Leon subtle from your Edmonton Oilers. He is here in Edmonton as we
1: deal with the pandemic and doing his best to stay in shape. We're obviously a little bit limited, but um I have a, a gym in my house here in Edmonton and um so yeah try to do uh, something different every day, try to stay fit, um, stay in shape. Uh, so, yeah, go for runs, do stairs, all, all kinds of different stuff. I try to dangle around my dog once in a while with, <laughs> um, with my stick, I have a stick in my basement, but other than that, there's not much, um, not much opportunity for me to to, yeah, work on my skills or anything like that.
2: Well, trying to look on the humorous side of this when we are back to playing games and I can see Leon Dreisaitl scoring a goal one day in the NHL and somebody saying on Twitter or on television or on radio, that's a movie tested out on his dog in the basement. More from Leon Drysettle as we move along tonight. You'll also hear a little bit from the Oilers head coach, Dave Tippett. In half an hour, this is going to be fun, a special feature interview with Tim Roy. He's the play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors of the NBA and has called many memorable games over the last few seasons. The Canadian Football League today postponing the start of training camp. Full training camps had been scheduled to begin May 17th. Rookie camps had been scheduled for arrivals on May 11th with then uh, hitting the field for the rookies on May 13th. So the CFL, the latest league to officially announce delays in its season. I'm pleased to be joined by Brock Sunderland, the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos. Brock, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm
2: good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Thanks a lot for catching up with us, Brock, and for talking to Eskimos fans tonight. Well, uh, tough news, but it, it seemed that maybe we were we were headed in this direction. Can you sort of tell us your perspective of how things has, have played out over the last couple of weeks and then ultimately the announcement of the delay today?
0: Yeah, we're in the same boat as everyone else right now, which is the, the narrative certainly seems to be fluid and changing every day, it seems um, understandable with what's going on in the world right now. So we're just simply trying to focus on what we can control and we're going to adhere to what the government and health agencies recommend and, you know, what our league determines is safe and, and beneficial for players, fans, support staff, and everybody. So, uh, again, we're kind of in the same boat as everybody, and these are uncharted waters for for all of us. So, you know, we're going to focus on what we can control.
2: Uh, I talked to Randy Ambrosi a little bit last week, and and yeah, he he emphasized that as well, that we have to see kind of where where we head here, and and the health organizations and the governments are definitely in charge of this situation. The draft is scheduled for April 30th, with some of the combines not being held, Brock. How has this impacted, for you and your staff, the preparation
0: for the draft? The biggest change will be having an opportunity to sit down with a majority of the players and interview them one-on-one to get a chance to know their personalities And also to see the the live combine drills, but we have all the film and that's what we're doing right now When I say we're controlling what we can control. That's what we're doing is we're watching as much film as possible we can all do that from home while we're working from home and and uh, adhering to all the rules and regulations right now, so the majority of our evaluations are film-based, so we feel that we're going to be just as thrilled as we've always been on that front, on how they play the game of football and all the supplemental information. Uh, we won't have uh, in an ideal fashion this year, but uh, that's the same for all, all the teams in this league.
2: Right. Well, and I know you and I have talked a lot in the past about, about scouting players and, and getting to know your their their personality. And, uh, you know, I hope maybe you can reiterate that because it takes people behind the scenes a little bit that there's a great deal of evaluation of the person that goes into making a draft pick, not just the evaluation of tackles, receptions, rushing yards, things like that.
0: Yeah, 100%. Is you want to know who you're bringing into your locker room. I mean, really, it's a job interview. Do you want to know the whole entity of the person not just the stats and if it was if it was strictly stats based scouting we wouldn't em- employ scouts and go out and do all these background checks and, and watch these people live you could just pull up the stats on the internet and make your picks like they did in way back when the draft started and they did it out of magazines so you want to know what the what the is like and you break down things like football character personal character and personal characters who they are away from the field what 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 they're like um in everyday life and their football characters is their prep their film preparation how they practice their leadership skills and all those things so that's that's a little bit of it uh, without getting too deep down the rabbit hole in what we do there
2: brock how in touch are you have have you been with your players through all this i mean do the eskimos take it on themselves as an organization to remind the players wherever they are you, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta be safe you gotta keep your hands clean and all all that kind of stuff. Or is, the, is the league handling that? I'm just wondering um, you know, where that message is, is initiating
0: A little bit of all of the above I think, uh, you know the, certainly the Players Association, the league uh, we've been in touch with some of our players um, so a combination of all of the above um, you know, not a football matter, this is a health and safety matter, so I think we're all doing our best to adhere and and handle this the appropriate way,
2: Brock. You know, football has that reputation for being a very regimented sport. You know, practices can be can be right down to, to the second in terms of what coaches want to do on a given day. Uh, you, you know, I'm sure Scott Milanovic was already thinking about day one of training camp and what he was going to do and, and how he wanted to, to deal with the players and, and all the position groups. I, I mean, I know hopefully we have Scott on the on the show here too in the next couple of weeks, but how is he doing and how is he adjusting his his planning as we face a, a very uncertain start to the season?
0: Somewhat status quo in a sense that it's the off season right now anyway. So the meetings and everything that, that he's doing with his staff, and, and his daily prep and outlining the schedules for the season and week by week and some game planning that doesn't change much at all uh, so for us at this time going into the season uh it hasn't changed a time like i said earlier we're all scouting and doing the same evaluation plan kind of attack that we would as normal the coaches are planning their schedules and, and their drills and all those things at this time the way they normally would so where it's really gonna change things is when we hit that may 11th mark and that that may 17th mark that we would have been here with the players hands-on so you know for now it's you know i say status quo it's as much status quo as can be for the coaches on on what they're doing um so again that goes back to controlling what we can control and, and preparing as much as we can so that when things are deemed safe and appropriate to return to football whenever that time may be we'll be ready to go
2: Brock, in my discussion with, with Randy Ambrosi last week, I mean, we had to confront the, the real possibility that this will not be uh, an 18-game season. Randy gave a great line. He said, we want to make sure we have a credible regular season in terms of the, of the length of the number of games. You know, I know ultimately it's going to be the decision of, of a lot of people, and, and, and like we all know, it's not up to the CFL as to, to when it's safe to play games and have crowd have crowds gathering to watch uh, these, these teams play. But have you given thought to a shorter season? Is there a number that you kind of hope it can be to, to be comfortable with the quality of the competition and that credibility Randy talked
0: about? Well, we're working on we are working on all contingencies right now. And, and we're doing our due diligence for every possible scenario that we can conceive happening. Um, But as a a number itself, um, you know, a little bit out of our control and, and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opinions and and people involved in those decisions. So, again, you know, what we're really trying to focus in on is what we can control and, and being prepared for when that time does come that we can return to football.
2: Yeah, and Brock, I mean, I want to ask you one more. This is a this is a human issue above all else. So I just want to ask how how you and your family are doing. Uh, if if you're comfortable letting us know where you're you're riding this out, you can share that. It's a it's up to you. But this is such a a, a strange time, and it, it's affecting everybody one way or another.
0: It is, you know. I appreciate you asking. I'm, I'm here in Edmonton, and you know, I'm part of the community. I live here year round, and love being here. So I'm I'm a part of this. I'm, I'm with everybody in this scenario so you know i guess i just ask our fans to take care of their families stay safe you know speak with us as an organization and and we're all going to get through this together and adhere to the social distancing wash your hands and and i'm trying to do my best to take part in that as well
2: uh, on a on a lighter note there have been there. There are still sports on TV. They're just all classic games. Uh, I know you weren't with the Eskimos in 2015, but the CFL West Final was uh, being shown a couple of days ago. There's been some old Oilers games on, uh, old NCAA basketball games. Do you will you sit and watch an, an older game? Maybe when you got some free time, or is that tough for you to do?
0: No, I watch them. Like I said, I'm I love football and sports, and I'm a fan like everybody else as well. So I did watch the rerun of the the 15 West Final and. Um, I I advanced that game actually when we were getting ready to play the Eskimos that year for the Grey Cup when I was at Ottawa. So I've I've seen it multiple times from a film breakdown perspective, but, you know, watching it uh, from a TV version was fun, uh, fun to see as well. It was great to see Commonwealth packed and, you know, I've heard the energy was unbelievable and you could see it in the game on TV on the rerun as well. So it was exciting to watch.
2: All right. Well, Brock, thanks for checking in tonight. Definitely a strange time, but we appreciate your perspective on, on what's going on and, and updating fans on the news of the CFL deciding to postpone the start of training camp, uh, which would have been May 17th for all the players together. Rookies getting into town would have been on May 11th. Thanks for keeping in touch. I hope we talk again soon.
0: No problem. Thanks for having me.
2: That is Brock Sunderland on the line tonight, GM, VP of Football Operations for your Edmonton Eskimos. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Chat. I'm always happy to hear from you, and you can do that by calling or texting 780-496-0063. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call seven eight zero four family or visit FurnaceFamily.com. I, I think uh i i look I, I i try not to speak for everybody but i would guess that uh probably whenever you saw this today about the cfl i know i got a notification uh on my phone this morning whether you, you saw that on a phone or online or heard it here on 630 chat on a sportscast I, I doubt there was much surprise about the, the start of training camp being delayed. I mean, I think it's very unlikely at this point that we're going to get an 18-game CFL season. I think if we can get a 9 or 10-game season in, uh, that would be pretty good as we go through this pandemic. You probably heard the sad news today delivered by Dr. Dina Hinshaw almost two hours ago. Five Additional deaths in Alberta because of COVID 19 over the last 24 hours. Unfortunately, now eight fatalities in the province of Alberta. We do have a lot to get to on the show tonight. You'll hear a little bit more from Leon Drysaddle. You hear some comments from Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Really excited for our interview between six thirty and seven. We're going to talk to Tim Roy, who is the play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors, who have had an incredible last five or six years in the NBA. I guess they weren't doing that great this year, but uh, what was it? Five consecutive appearances in the NBA Finals. Prior to that, they were beaten by the Raptors for the championship almost a year ago. Something we're going to try uh, to do here in the weeks to come on Inside Sports, uh, bring you interesting stories, interesting uh, broadcasters from around North America, and certainly Tim, uh, a great view right there for uh, many of the most memorable moments in the NBA in recent seasons. It's six We're back after the break. <laughs> thanks a lot for tuning in tonight the big l loyal texter and listener writing in tonight 780-496-0063 now kellen the big l i don't know if you've opened the text like kellen has the text line open usually because some of you i'm loading it right now have uh, been texting in songs you would like to hear coming back from commercials and we try to play uh one or two listener suggestions throughout the evening. We mm. again, we prefer guitar intros. That the Big L has written in. Now he wrote Tiger Man, but I think he means Tiger King. Would he not? That's the show. That's all the. the uh, all I believe the so. Yes. That's the Tiger King is now the bee's knees on Netflix. It's the end. Is thing. it the, the best thing since sliced bread? Yes, apparently. The Big L says, "In the spirit of the times, let's momentarily put sports on pause." You seriously have to consider doing a segment on Tiger King. He, again, he wrote Tiger Man, but I think he means Tiger King. It's a mixture of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, Duck Dynasty, Hillbilly Hand Fishing, Jersey Shore, and a Trump Thesaurus all wrapped into one. I'm pumped for the next seven seasons. That is from the Big L. I've decided I'm not going to watch Tiger King. Just to be different. <laughs> I have enough viewing to do. Got to watch Better Call Saul when I get home tonight. Uh, Jeremy from Glendon, who is currently quarantined inside the pierogi in Glendon. That's where his apartment is, so he's quarantined inside the giant pierogi. Which sport do you think will be the first to return post-virus? The lack of contact in baseball seems to make it most likely to return the soonest, in my opinion. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I See, Jeremy, I don't think that they're necessarily worried about how much contact there is in the sport, though I, though I do think that's a concern about transmission between athletes. But, but I mean, all these leagues, they do not want to play in front of empty stadiums. I mean they might do it if they absolutely have to but but they really w- don't want to do it. So I mean baseball's a possibility. I would think if I had to take a stab at it right now on, on the spot with that question I would probably say there will be some sort of a professional golf tournament first as as something that comes back. Uh, I got a text here from Barhead Bill who says uh, Canada West field hockey will be the first to return. Well, that's very true. I don't even know when their season starts. I, I, I would, if I had to guess, I would think there would be some sort of a, a PGA event or LPGA event that gets it that gets it going. Maybe they say, okay, may, maybe they do it without a gallery or a limited gallery if, if, where people can still stand a certain distance apart because I think there will be some sort of physical distancing in place for you know, months to come, even even if we start to handle this pandemic fairly well. So that would be my guess. They, the team sports, don't want empty stadiums. Now, the the PGA doesn't want events with no galleries, but but I could see something maybe with limited galleries, social distancing, and I mean the golf the golf the PGA golf is virtually a 12 month sport. I mean it slows down a little bit in December and January, so if things get better or are improving, they might be able to say, okay, it's it's safe and responsible to play. So that's where I would go with that. This texture says, oh, I wish they would have put their name on this. I'm a legend in Glendon at their annual pierogi festival. I ate 12 pierogies in 18 seconds is my record. That is pretty good. That is pretty good. You can just swallow them whole. That's the key to eating pierogies quickly. I don't. I wonder what the all-time. You know what? We got to do a segment on the like competitive pierogi eating. <laughs> I mean, why not? We're looking for ideas. Leon yeah. Dreisaitl did a conference call today. I submitted a couple of questions. Asked him if he was watching any of the old Oilers games that are being shown on television.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've I've watched a few of them uh, sitting on the couch. Uh, uh, I've watched the I think game five. Against San Jose a couple of years ago, and yeah, I, I, it's it's a little bit of a tease, I have to say. You know, you you start you start to miss it even more. So, um, you know, sometimes it's it's better watching Friends than hockey. <laughs> All
2: right, Leon Dreisett also said he's uh, been doing a lot of puzzles and watching the television show This Is Us, as well as stick handling against his dog in the basement to keep his skills sharp tim roy is the play-by-play voice of the golden state warriors top team in the nba over the past several seasons he's next on inside sports The gentleman who said he ate 12 pierogies in 18 seconds at the Glendon Annual Pierogi Festival, that was Travis. And uh, Cowtown Bob has written in, 7804960063 is the text line. Cowtown Bob says, Hey, Reed, I won a Cuba saw eating contest sponsored by CFCW at Klondike Days in Edmonton in the 1980s. I ate 17 ounces of Cuba saw in two minutes, not a record, but enough to win the event I was in. One of my competitors choked up most of his sausage and was disqualified. Cowtown Bob. Thank you for that memory. It always means something to me when listeners share a little personal anecdote with me. And that is the most time we have probably spent talking about any form of competitive eating on Inside Sports. Let's talk a little bit about the National Basketball Association.
3: Crowder to throw it in Down the floor, high in the air It's a jump ball, Hail Mary deflected away Iguodala saves it to Azili. ball game's over Curry spikes the ball at the buzzer And the Golden State Warriors keep the streak going
2: In double overtime The Warriors went 124-119 to That is the voice of our next guest Tim Roy, he's the play-by-play voice of The Golden State Warriors on 97.5 The Game Tim, thanks for joining us on Inside Sports in Edmonton How are you doing?
3: I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, like everybody else, it's a it's a weird time, and it's a once in a lifetime thing. And and um, you know, you're just uh, you know they here uh, in the U.S. They've asked us to shelter in place again for another month. We'll be uh, in the house till end of April. And then we'll see where we are at that point. Uh, you know, we were lucky a little bit here in California. Our the San Francisco's mayor and our governor were very quick to react and to get people you know from gathering for the most part you know i mean there's people everywhere who aren't you know uh really looking at this as seriously as they should but um you know we'll see hopefully um hopefully it's not as bad as as it could be and and uh, you know just is going to do uh do my part here and and uh i've got Enough. I've got a little studio in my home office here. I can work from home. I can do. We have a weekly show tomorrow night, so I'll do that and and uh, just kind of you know do what you can.
2: Yeah, well, well said, Tim, and we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us here on, on 6.30, Chad. Uh, an interesting opportunity for us to catch up with you. Let, let's start with that bit of, bit of audio that you played, and, and thanks to one of your colleagues for firing me off a couple of your play-by-play clips. Uh, was that, So that was the longest winning streak to start a season? What was that, 2015 we're looking at? Yeah, 24-0
3: and to start the season. Um, it ended up in a bitter, uh, you know, bitter case they lose to Cleveland in, in seven games and when you go to the Warriors practice facility you know they have all the you know championship banners up in the practice facility there as well as inside the arena but they do have a plaque in one side or a, a, a sign if you will and it says you know best regular season record 73 and 9 but they don't make it very big it's, it's, it's there to remind them that yeah it was a great year but didn't end the way you wanted to but it, those were uh really magical times you know i was i was blessed to be along for the ride there the five-year ride and uh you know one of the best streaks you know in in history in fact you know you had to go back to the to the stanley cup in the mid-50s to find two teams that had faced each other in the finals four years in a row
2: uh would have in montreal detroit in the 50s would have it not I believe so, yeah. I believe I know I know one of them was the Red Wings. I believe the other one was the uh, the hated Leshempto. <laughs> well, cuz I believe uh, cuz I believe the Cana- <laughs> it was only a 16 league, but I believe the Canadians were in the final right. 10 years in a row. I think they won one yeah, of their okay. first 5 and and then and then won 5 in a row. Uh, Tim uh, 1995, you started doing Warriors games? 95 Warrior Games uh, got in the NBA in
3: 1989. Um, yeah, as you can tell, I, I, I grew up in New England, therefore that's my my disgust at anything Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Gila have ruined my childhood. Um, but uh, no, so yeah, so I've, I've been here a long time, and and it's 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 a great place to be uh the Warriors announcer. It's a, it's an incredible fan base and we were awful for a long, long time. But these people kept coming out. They they came out in in numbers year in, year out, and they know what good basketball is. They don't get fooled by, you know, a flash in the pan. They know what's lasting and so it's always been a privilege to uh, to announce to this fan base.
2: Well, and I wanted to ask you about that. And f- for the Oilers here, I mean, we had the we had the decade of darkness. They didn't make the playoffs for 10 years. They got in in 2017, and then they've missed the, the, the last two again. This year, they you know they they were going to get in, and they they will be in if if the playoffs do uh, get picked up here. But I, I believe in your first, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I believe in your first 15 seasons as Golden State Warriors play-by-play announcer, you called one playoff series. And now obviously we know yeah. them as, as an incredible franchise. Like what turned it around eventually?
3: Well, uh, here's, here's what happened uh, from working with on the Kings broadcast. And I wasn't doing play-by-play for every game, but by the time I left in 94, 95, I was coming off a, a season where I'd done 50 games, but, But from 89 through 2006, the NBA teams I announced for did not get the 500. And then in 06-07, we uh, made the playoffs. The Warriors beat Dallas in the first round, lost in the second round. And then, again, go back down a little bit of a a dark period for a while. And what changed is when the team was sold. Uh, We uh, got new owners with Joe Lacob and Peter Goober and – they basically said from day one, hey, we're going to win. We're going to spend the money to win. We're going to commit to win. We're going to hire great people. And they've done that. And, and that's been the biggest difference. And, of course, you know, let's face it, um, you, you get when you win and, and you do it through the draft, sometimes you get a little lucky. And people didn't see in Steph Curry what Don Nelson saw in Steph Curry, what Larry Riley saw in Steph Curry. He was our general manager at the time. And they um, – They eventually uh, looked at Steph Curry, and when they drafted him, Don Nelson told me, we got the best passer in the draft, which I thought was a really interesting thing to say because he was the best shooter in the draft. And so I'm thinking, okay, if he's the best passer and the best shooter, we've got a player here. And it was evident from day one that when he had the ball – and he was on the floor, uh, the Warriors were a better team, and there was something special about him. People, people follow Steph Curry, and, and because he's such a generous and, and unselfish superstar. So when you combine the ownership sale and the drafting of Steph Curry, and that set in motion this chain of events that led to this incredible run they had.
2: Tim Roy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Does play-by-play for the Golden State Warriors. Happy to catch up with Tim tonight. Tim, uh, do you call? Are all the NBA announcers always courtside? Nobody does it from up top, do they?
3: Like- oh no, no, no. We're radio, radio, and and now for a certain part, TV are going off the floor. Radio's been off the floor now for probably about the last ten years. Oh yeah, really? I didn't uh, realize that. Okay. Yeah, only only a certain amount of uh, of. Uh, of places are we still on the floor and that that's going to change probably in the next four or five years we're on the floor in toronto in the second row which is a great great spot to be in and we're on the floor in, in phoenix and chicago and a couple of other places but but that's really about it and um so yeah, so it's, it's it's different. You don't have the intimacy. You, you're not privy to some of the back and forth between the officials and the players and the coaches. But you know, he, it's it's the sign of the times. They can make a lot of money selling those seats. Right. And and you can't
2: can't argue with
3: that. But uh, but yeah, we're not we're not in the gondola just yet. But we are off the
2: floor. Okay, uh, Tim. We got to talk briefly uh, last week when we were we were setting this up, and I, I want you have a couple of Edmonton tie-ins that we're going to get. I do. but i, I want to take you like back to the very beginning if if, if there is a if there's a significant mark like was there a do you remember the first game or event you did play by play for or what made you want to do it i mean it's a, it's a great profession comes with a, a lot of accolades obviously if you're good at it and reach the the peak of it like like you have but it's also incredibly competitive to to get a job in one of the four major pro leagues but where did it kind of start for you
3: well, um, it's it's I was I had a, a period of time when I was a kid and I was sick and my mom had fallen off a ladder and, and injured her eye and and she, she was legally blind in her left eye and that qualified her for getting records that were basically books on records, kinda like, you know, getting a an audio book today, except back then, you know, you didn't have the internet but you had a record, because they'd send you a little photograph player and the and the books on record you wanted, and you could get them for free if, if you were legally blind. And my mom would order these records, and while she did her housework and, and when not she come back from her job, she would listen to these records. And so I was sick, and so she ordered me a record. She knew I liked sports. And there was a, uh, a book by a guy named Red Barber, who was a great announcer in Major League Baseball for years. And he narrated the book, and it was it – was, I was – Bound, I thought this is such a cool thing. What a great way to make a living. What a great job to have. And so from that point, when I was about eight years old, it's really all I've ever wanted to do. And to be blessed to do it. I mean, every day I come in this office, I start going through stuff. I do some work. I was working on some old interviews today that we're going to air on our weekly show, some nostalgic ones and and uh it never feels like work to me it's always fun it's always you know uh you know my passion is is my job and and it's it's great and so that's it and then the first wow the first game i did professionally i'd done some public address work at some baseball leagues around hartford connecticut but i went to college in upstate new york utica college and they had a fledgling uh, hockey program at the time, and I was the one who would get up and, and, you know, they couldn't get good ice time, so sometimes their games were like 8 a.m. On, set, on Sunday. And so, you know, who in college gets up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday to go do, <laughs> you know, D3 hockey? But that's what I did. And after my sophomore year, the local radio station, the play-by-play guy for hockey got promoted from his uh, job, and, and so he couldn't do all the games. It was an Eastern League team in town, the Utica Mohawks, coached by a guy named Larry Mickey, who had spent some time with the Buffalo Sabres, and so they needed a backup minor league hockey announcer, and I fit fit their criteria perfectly. I was young and naive and to be had cheap, and so um, I did about 20 games that year for him, and then that led to a summertime job and everything else, but yeah, minor league hockey was the, the first sport I ever did.
0: You
2: just gave a great quote, young, naive, and to be had cheap. That's what I'm going to ask people who are going to our local broadcasting college here in Edmonton about how to get into the business. Be young, naive, and be had cheap. <laughs> no, what's you? You do have uh, people are going to love this. For, for, we'll, we'll stick with the hockey theme. Well, uh, yeah. we'll you, you, there's a sort of a sort of a tie into the Oilers. What was this about again? There is
3: a tie into the Oilers. I have a tie into the Oilers. Um, when that year, uh, I did a game down, uh, a couple games down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the Cherry Hill Aces they were coached by a guy named muz mcpherson who would show up and he had that punch imlac fedora on you know he always had that behind the, the bench and he was great to me i mean he was he was perfect for you know you're always looking and doing Miley Hop. you know if you don't have somebody back in the studio which i didn't i had to fill that time in between periods and so i would go and do these long interviews and Muzz was great. I could ask him three questions; he'd give me fifteen minutes. It was awesome. And uh, he had this gravelly old voice. And his claim— one of his claims to fame was that he was the coach of the Sioux Greyhounds in the Ontario Junior League. And his star player was Wayne Gretzky. And so uh, that's one of my ties to Edmonton. And then the other one is that I've had this great career where I've been able to do so many different things and in different sports is that I'm one of the few Americans that has called Canadian League football, Canadian football league games. And we I was the, one of the voices, the radio voice the first year and I was on the T V broadcast the second year of the Sacramento Goldbinders. No and so uh I've been to Commonwealth. I loved it. I thought I was fun. I personally I thought it was the best field in the C F L at the time. And um just just enjoyed it and enjoyed the league. I thought it was so much fun because, you, you know, it's, it's it's the rare football league where you're, you know, it's almost like an arena league where you're down 21 with four minutes to go and yet you still have a great chance. You can really get back in the game really quickly. And so uh, I enjoyed my time.
2: Well, oh, that's all. Awesome. Yeah, David Archer, Sacramento Gold Miners Dave, quarterback. Who David games? Archer, yeah. yeah, and Mike Pringle. And, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: we had, we had some decent players, but we had a coach that was a little stubborn, shall we say. Uh, he thought on, on third and one or second and one that you would run the fullback blast where the fullback would get the ball eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that doesn't seem to work in the in the CFL was that was that so, Kay
2: Stevenson was he the coach then it was Kay, Kay Stevenson who then yes. and he coached one year here with the Eskimos when Archer was the quarterback and he uh his brief tenure is not fondly remembered by most fans of the green and gold shall we just leave it at that there
3: was a, <laughs> there was a I would, uh, one my first year we our backup quarterback was Kerwin Bell kid who played at Florida really nice guy and he was a huge NBA fan So we would talk NBA all the time because I was with a Kings broadcast then. And Archer got his, his bell rung on a play, and they brought him off the field, and the... Uh... They had the ball on the right hash, and they called for like a like a almost like an old term, a down and out. I don't know what the route was, but it was a, a throws to the far sideline. So Bell makes this throw, and I see him. He's trying to loosen his arm up. so After the game, I asked him. He said, "Goes, I said, the first time I ever had to throw a fifty yard down and out because <laughs> 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 the field is so wide that you know he wasn't used to that. And he really had to hammer that thing to try to get it out there." But, but uh, yeah, no. So i I I enjoyed Edmonton. You know, I, I one of the the great things that I got to do in that league was I got to places I probably wouldn't have, you know, uh, automatically gotten to like like Edmonton. I won't mention Calgary. I know I know the audience. Um, you know, you you go, you go three times to Vancouver in one year. How, how good is that? I mean, Toronto and and you know the only place I really. Uh, can honestly say that I'll probably never get back
2: to was Regina. They just just didn't have a lot going on there. So they love the team, though. They 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 love oh. that team. It's like it's like oh. a U.S. college atmosphere. The way they rally around that club.
3: You know, you're absolutely right. And and they were great people. I mean, there's just not a lot to do there. You know, uh, we try. We had an early. Might might be our first or second game was up there. And I remember we tried to get in a quick round of golf. And this is, what, probably July, probably? Yeah. And uh, I remember on my second putt, I looked down on my arm, and there were mosquitoes lined up like they were in a gas line on my arm. (laughs) You know, just then I thought, oh, my God.
2: We we get those little critters here, too. But, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Tim Roy, joining us on Inside Sports, play by play voice for the Golden State Warriors, and he shared some memories of uh, calling uh, ECHL hockey and doing some CFL games in the '90s. man Tim, I, I wish we had more time, but I, I want to wrap up with kind of a maybe a bit of a quirky one, but you've okay. made you've made most of your your living as a play by play man doing basketball y- You mentioned you've done some other sports at at this point in your career. If they said, okay, Tim, like we need you to do like 30 uh, San Francisco Giants games or you got to do San Jose Sharks for a month, would you kind of be like, well, broadcasting broadca- is broadcasting and play-by-play is play-by-play, or would you feel a little off-kilter doing a different sport now?
3: No, I, I think I could do it about uh, maybe, let's see, about 15 years ago I was also one of the TV announcers of the Oakland A's and so i would get about 30 games a summer and so i did both i still do some minor league baseball up in sacramento when they need somebody to fill in for their guy and um, and actually uh, one of the awards that i've won in my career was when i was in phoenix in the late 80s and i won best play by play award in the state of arizona one year and because because i convinced my boss to let me broadcast uh, um a uh, preseason game between the new york rangers i think it was vancouver came into phoenix they were trying to drum up some uh some support and so i convinced him to let me do the game i did the game and he liked it so much he submitted for an award and i won and that was the only hockey game i had done about, about five years so
2: that was uh that was pretty remarkable that's awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for doing this. I- I'm glad we've made contact. Really appreciate sharing some stories and and letting people know on uh, how-, how you've been able to accomplish what you have and and uh, how the Warriors were able to turn it around as a franchise. And and now that I got your number, the next time the Warriors start a season 25 and 0 or whatever, we're gonna have to get you on the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and uh, just again, can't tell you how much fun I had uh, with my time in Edmonton and and loved going there and uh just everybody just be safe it's uh, you know i appreciate my parents now they lived through the depression and they always had canned goods on hand because they were never going to stand in a food line again and so i appreciate what they went through now and uh, i just hope
2: everybody stays safe right on take care tim all right see ya. that is tim roy what an awesome conversation does play by play for the nba's golden state warriors tonight was just on the show play-by-play voice for the Golden State Warriors since 1995 calling games in the NBA since 1989 got some awesome memories from him including he did Sacramento Gold Miners games when they were in the CFL and he pulled some names out of the hat Kay Stevenson, Kerwin Bell, David Archer who all wound up being members of the Eskimos organization too. Good stuff there with Tim really appreciate that he was able to connect with us tonight. The Canadian Football League has postponed the start of training camp training camp was scheduled to begin on May 17th so that is postponed Leon Dreisaitl of your Edmonton Oilers held a conference call today he was uh, asked about maybe no finish
1: to the 1920 season obviously we don't know yet what what's going to happen so I think there's still some some talking uh left to do in in, in all the professional leagues but um you know I think that that goes for everyone playing the game Um, if if we don't get to play the playoffs um, you know obviously it's it's frustrating Um, but again like like we all said I think the health of of people at this time is is more important so I think they they made the right decision so far and um, yeah hopefully uh, I think I'm speaking for everyone hopefully we, we can return to to playing again but uh, obviously that's that's not uh, necessarily up to us all right get more from leon drysdale on 630chad.com back after the news 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 chad